Uh, well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, please take a seat right where you are. Thank you very much, Christopher. Uh, we've had a few technical difficulties, uh, so uh, Chris has just moved me back so you can actually see me. Um, anyway, tonight, uh, we're so glad if this is your first time and your hundredth time to beyond, uh, and particularly if it's your first time tonight, because tonight is a great time to come along. Uh, it's always a great time to come along to beyond but it's particularly great to come along at the start of a series, and that's what tonight is. Tonight we are launching a brand new series, which we've titled uh, Lighthouse, so it kind of seems fitting that we've had a few uh, lighting problems. Um, so to kind of get everyone uh, on the same page, because we're starting this brand new series, I just wanted to start off by doing a little bit of word association. Uh, so if you can just play along for a second, uh, we all know what an Australian is, we all know uh, what an American is, and we all know what a comedian is, right? We all know what those things are, but what about this word? Christian. What is a Christian? You know what's interesting? If we divided the room up into groups of 10, uh, what we'd find is that not everyone, if we got you to ask the question, uh, what is a Christian answer and define that uh, question, and there's the lights, uh, beautiful, um, we wouldn't, you wouldn't get the same answer 10 times over. In fact, if you were in groups of 10, you'd probably get five different answers. Some of you would get eight different answers to this question, what is a Christian? Uh, some of you, if you were asked, uh, somebody stopped you in the street, no one would do this, but if somebody stopped you in the street and they said, hey, are you a Christian? Some of you would say yes, some of you would say no, some of you would say yes, but, and some of you would say no, but, some of you would say yes, but I'm not like that group. In fact, some of you, if you were asked if you're a Christian, you could pinpoint the exact date, time, place, like location, geographical, like coordinates, you know the time, you know the place, you know what the weather was doing, you know what the temperature was, you know when you became a Christian. Others of you, like myself, you grew up in church and you, you kind of just were born into the church and you kind of never left the church and so you've always considered yourself a Christian. Others of you, uh, you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian but you kind of like Christians. You know, you think they're good people and you've, they've got something good to say. Their, their teachings are pretty valuable. And then there's a group of you. There's a, there's a group of you, if you were really honest, if you were asked this question, you know, what is a Christian? You would say, I hate Christians. No, I honestly hate Christians. In fact, I wanted to give you a full screen definition of what you would say. If you were asked, what is a Christian? You would probably say this. They are a judgmental uh, a group of homophobic moralists who think they're the only ones going to heaven and secretly relish the fact that everybody else is going to hell. Uh, yeah, like, let's just say amen to that one. Like, oh, how weird. Like, but we, even if you don't think that way, you know people that do, right? You know people that think of Christians like that. And we, we think of this word Christian, we think of this one word, this one term, Christian. And even though it's one word, one term, it can elicit so many different emotions, different feelings, different opinions, different responses. But why? Why? Why so many different opinions and responses? It's particularly interesting and curious that we have so many different opinions and responses when, when Christians, like when the first uh, word Christian first stepped onto the scene, it was defined as something uh, completely different to what we've actually defined it as. Uh, in uh, Acts, it's uh, stated that 
the disciples were first called Christians, or were, uh, were called Christians first at Antioch. In other words, Christians were the disciples, the followers of Jesus. These were the guys that followed and believed in Jesus. That was what a Christian was. That's what the word was meant to be defined as. And even though that's what the word originally meant, uh, was meant to mean, it doesn't mean that for so many other people today. But why? Why does this one word create so many different emotions and feelings and tensions with people? And that's the question we're going to camp out uh, across this series. Why does this word Christian uh, is different for you than it is to the person beside you? And to help us answer this question, we're going to look at what Jesus spoke about uh, in maybe his most historic uh, message that he ever gave. Uh, It's called the Sermon on the Mount. If you don't know what that one is, uh, Jesus pretty much, uh, he, he... it was early on in his ministry, he gathered a large following of people, hundreds of thousands of people would flock uh, to come and hear Jesus speak. And one day he, he took this group, his, his followers, up to the top of this mountain and he sat them down and he gave them uh, this sermon or this message, and, which is titled the Sermon on the Mount. And this sermon, uh, under, or Jesus talked about the underpinning characteristics of followers of Jesus and what they were meant to do and how they were meant to live if they were to follow Jesus. And this uh, sermon went on for a day, or went on for like all day, but almost uh, a couple of days according to some scholars, and you thought I talked forever, Jesus talked for multiple days around this one topic. And Matthew uh, documents them and uh, pulls out the highlights of this Sermon on the Mount. I just want to go uh, directly to what he says. He says uh, to his followers, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And to which I imagine the followers are like, woo, we are a light. Isn't that fantastic? Like, and then they probably just stopped there and went, what do you mean, Jesus? And Jesus goes on to explain. He's like, uh, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hill, uh, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Well, thanks, Jesus. What do you mean? What do you mean? What? You are the light of the world, like a city. So you're like a city. You know how a, light, a city like emanates light and you can see it from a distance, particularly if it's on a hilltop. And you cannot hide it. You're in the same way. You're a light like a city. And you cannot be hidden. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, you're a light. It's not something you choose to do. It's something you are. Um, but, but that didn't answer the question, Jesus. Like, what do you mean? Like, you are a light, you are a light. What do, you, what do you mean by that, that we are a light? Well, Jesus goes on to explain what the purpose of a light is. He says, uh, in verse 15, he says, nobody lights a lamp and puts it underneath a basket. Well, that makes sense. Instead, of, uh, instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In other words, what Jesus is doing is giving an example of what the purpose of a light is. And I guess uh, today we probably don't resonate with the whole kind of lamp thing. Uh, we're more of a, like a, a phone people and we kind of look at the, the light, right? And we got our lights on our phones and we get our flashlights out. And what Jesus is saying is like, you know, you don't put your phone in your pocket when you turn on your light, do you? And you don't put your phone, you don't just like flash it into your eyes because that, like, that doesn't work, right? What you do is you f- face it outwards and you point it towards what you want to see. In other words, a light stands out. 
you place it on a stand, a light is noticed. When you turn on a light, you notice the light. And when the light is turned off, you notice that as well. Not only that, but a light makes something visible. And if you're taking notes, you might want to write that one down. You've probably never uh, worked that one out, have you? No. Like, what are, what, are we, what are you talking about, Jesus? Like, I don't understand. Like, a light, you know, stands out and makes things visible. Like, what do you mean? Like, we know that. Like, we didn't need to listen to you and, you know, for hours about this, for you to, like, you know, define this for us. Where are you going with this? What do you mean, like, we are a light? Well, Jesus wraps it all up and he says to them, in the same way, in the same way a light stands out and makes something visible, makes things visible, in the same way, let your good deeds, let your life shine out for all people to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. What Jesus is pointing out here is, a light, a light stands out and a light points towards something. And what it points towards, it reveals that and it makes that thing visible. And if you're a follower of Jesus, your life points towards and it stands out or is meant to at least stand out from the world in a way that points people towards God and points people towards uh, who Jesus is. And even if you're not a follower of Jesus, the same still applies. You are a light. Your, your actions, the way you live, it communicates something to someone about something, right? The way you live, well, the way you talk, the way you communicate, the way you uh, uh, go about your life, it communicates something to others. And people begin to develop a picture about what you're talking about and the way you live. And Jesus is particularly talking to these followers of Jesus. He's like, your actions, your actions, the way you live. People are looking in on that. People are looking at the way you live. And you're to stand out from the world. And you're to stand out of the world in a particular way that points people towards your heavenly Father. So why do we have so many opinions around this word Christian and this, this term of Christianity in the church? It's simple. You've seen something different to what I've seen. And you've experienced something different to what I've experienced. And your experiences and your, what you've seen with church and Christians is different to the other person. And for you, Christians may be the best person ever, but you've had a great experience with Christians. And the person uh, to your right, you know, they've had a bad experience. You know, they grew up in a church where uh, they commit, if they committed certain sins, they were an outsider. They weren't cared for anymore. And so when they think of church, they think of Christianity. It's not a love one another community. It's a community that judges them. And so that's why they push back against Christianity. And that's why we have so many different opinions around this word Christian. And so the question I want to camp out around tonight is how are Christians? How are the followers of Jesus meant to stand out? Followers of Jesus are designed to be a light, a light that stands out from the world and points people towards Jesus. But how are they to stand out? What should people experience when they interact and encounter uh, followers of Jesus? And if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you consider yourself uh, not a Christian, I can totally understand why you may push back against Christianity. In fact, I'm willing to bet if I'd seen what you had seen, if I'd experienced what you had experienced, if I'd grown up in your church, grown up in your family, 
I have no doubt that I would have drawn the same conclusion about Christians and about Jesus. But you may just want to lean in and listen tonight because maybe, just maybe, the reason why you resist Christianity and maybe the reason why you push back Christian against Jesus has less to do with who Jesus is and more to do with the way his followers treated you. And wouldn't it be terrible to miss out on who Jesus is because somebody else didn't, uh, because of somebody else's actions, because somebody else didn't treat you right, because somebody else hurt you? You may come to the same conclusion tonight, but at least you'll know, at least you'll know that you didn't reject Jesus uh, because of somebody else. And to help us answer this question of how are Christians to stand out? How are Christians, uh, you know, meant to live? What should people experience when they interact with the followers of Jesus? I don't actually have to come up with the content myself. Jesus went on to explain it right after he made this claim of, you are a light. And right after he makes his claim, Jesus goes into this extensive kind of uh, set of paragraphs where he takes a law, uh, he takes uh, a law that everyone followed, and then he raises the standard on that law. And I've just picked out a couple from these uh, few short paragraphs. He takes uh, one command uh, around, uh, you should not murder people, you know, which you know, makes pretty good sense. We just shouldn't just go around hacking off people. And Jesus takes that law and then he raises the standard. Not only, if you're a follower of Jesus, not only should you not murder people, like that's bad, but like you should not be angry with one another. You should not hold a grudge with one another. And if uh, you have a problem with somebody, You're to go and make good with that person. You're to go and resolve that tension with that person. And then Jesus takes another law and he talks about you should not commit adultery. You should not cheat on your wife. You should should cheat on your partner. You should not cheat on your husband. Jesus takes that law, you know, which, which makes pretty good sense. And then he raises the standard once again. And then he says, you know, not only should you not commit adultery, but you should hold women and you should hold men and you should hold others in such high respect, such high honour that you don't look on them lustfully and that you don't, you treat your partner so well that you don't, you aren't tempted to look towards somebody else and be attracted by them because you love your husband, you love your wife, you love your partner. And Jesus raises the standard. And he raises the standard again. He, he takes this uh, kind of law that's uh, in uh, the, New Test- or the Old Testament. He says, uh, the punishment much match the injury, you know, which most of us understand, right? You know, somebody hits you, you hit them just as hard. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And Jesus takes this standard that everyone followed and then he raised it and he said, Not anymore, not anymore. Not anymore is it an eye for an eye if you're a follower of me. But if somebody hits you on the left cheek, you offer them the right. If somebody uh, takes your coat, you know, you offer them your shoes. Uh, That's the wrong way around. I think it's something about a shirt and a coat. But like, like, he just like kind of just offered him like, he's like, you know, if somebody does bad to you, you repay them with love. You repay them with good. And Jesus raises the standard over and over and over again. And 
Jesus is building towards and developing a theme, and there's a common thread which runs through all these standards that Jesus raises. And it begins to surface in this final standard that Jesus raises. And I just want to uh, particularly look at this one standard that Jesus raises. Uh, He takes the standard uh, which was written uh, in the law that everyone followed. Uh, He said, you have heard the law that says, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Which makes pretty good sense. Love the people that love you and hate the people who hate you because they hate you, so you might as well not love them. But Jesus takes this standard and he raises it. And he says, but I say, love your enemies. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I imagine the room got dead silent when Jesus said this, for a moment at least, and then uh, I imagine somebody got up and like, Jesus, can we just take a time out? Like, no further, please. Like, this is like a culture where like Rome was, Rome was boss and Christians and followers of Jesus were down like the bottom end of the scale. And Christians and followers of Jesus were, were persecuted by Rome. I imagine somebody in the crowd would have gone up and said, Jesus, like, that's all good, but like, what about Rome? Like, what about those soldiers? What about those guys? Like, we're not very, like, we're not viewed very highly in their books. Like, they hurt us, they imprison us, uh, they even have killed some of us. You know, should we, what are we to do with them? Like, surely we're not meant to love them as well. And Jesus says, no, 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 love, love, love your enemies. That's what people should experience, it's love. How are we to do that, Jesus? Why are we to do that? Well, Jesus doesn't just state the why, but he he goes on to explain the why, the why of why people should love their enemies. And he says, in that way, in that way of loving your enemies, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. By loving your enemies, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Not only that, but for, this is because He gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. You're to love your enemies. You're to love unconditionally if you're a follower of Jesus because Jesus loved unconditionally. He loved you unconditionally. He loved the world unconditionally. In fact, He loved the world so much that He sent His only Son to die on the cross, to die for sinners, to die for you, to die for me, to die for the evil, to die for the good, for the just, to the unjust, the righteous and the unrighteous. Jesus died not for a group of people, but He died for everyone. He extended love, not to a group of people, but He extended love unconditionally to everyone. And Jesus is saying to His followers, He's like, if you want to follow Me, if you want to be a light that points people towards Me, you're to love unconditionally in the way that I have extended love. And then He goes on and He says, wraps up with this final statement. And He says, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even the corrupt tax collectors do that much. 
Even the worst of the worst, even the lowest of the lowest, even the outcasts of society, they even love those who love them. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? If you don't love everyone, and you just love the people that love you, do you really stand out? Are you really a light that points people to Jesus? And traditionally in the church, we've understood what uh, it meant, or that was meant to stand out and that we're meant to be a light. What we've misunderstood is how we're meant to stand out and what we're meant to stand for and what we're meant to point people to. Traditionally in the church, we've stood up for, for things that we're against, for people that we're against, for acts that we're against. And we get up and we say, right here in the Bible, it says this, and therefore you're wrong and we're right. Jesus said it, therefore you can't do it. And you're doing it, so that means that we're right and you're wrong. And Christians have been characterized by this. And we've stood out, we've stood out for the wrong reasons. And what Jesus is getting at is, if you want to stand out, if you want to be a light, if you want to point people towards the love that I have for everyone, you ought to love unconditionally. How are Christians meant to stand out? By, tr- by the way they treat one another. What should people experience? Unconditional love. And when people, uh, people will begin to see how much Jesus loves them, when they see how much his followers love them. People will begin to see how much Jesus loves them when they see how much you love them. How will people see? How are you any different to anybody else if you only love those who love you? So to help you uh, to apply this tonight, because I know unconditional love, it's not natural. It's not natural. It's not natural to anybody. Uh, So to help you to apply this unconditional love to everyone, I wanted to leave you with a question. Here at Beyond, we've got this thing called For Monday, because we believe there's uh, no point coming to church on Sunday if it doesn't change or impact you for Monday. And this week's For Monday, if you're a follower of Jesus, is to ask this question. What does love require of me? What does love require of me? If you're a follower of Jesus, over every situation, over every circumstance, with every interaction, whenever you come eyeball to eyeball with somebody, you ask the question, what does love require of me? And now, if you've been a part of Beyond for a while, you may have heard this for Monday before, and you're like, Josh, that's totally unoriginal. That's, that's totally unoriginal. Couldn't you come up with something like better? Why did you just have to rip like last year's message? Like, why are you just repeating yourself? Well, the answer is I could have come up with something new, but the reason why I repeated it was, isn't it true? Isn't it true that, you know, over the last six months, in fact, over the last kind of like six hours, there are times when you forgot to extend love to one another. You forgot to do what love required of you. And instead of doing what love required of you, you did what pain required of you. You did what hurt required of you. You did what your pride required of you. And you, and you pulled someone down rather than raising them up. You did what anger required of you. And you talked down to that person. You did what your personal desires required of you. And you took from that person rather than giving to them. You did what you wanted. You did what you required rather than doing what love required. 
And you forgot. You forgot. And that's not a bad thing. It's, it's, we can forget easily. But the problem is, when we forget, when we forget to do what love requires of us, we get in the way of people seeing how much Jesus loves them. When we forget, when we forget to do what love requires of us and we leverage anything other, uh, anything other than love, we get in the way. We prevent people from seeing how much Jesus loves them. And so, to help you remember, I help you remember to ask this question, uh, because it's really hard to remember sometimes. We've created uh, six uh, Facebook uh, screensavers, which are up on our Facebook and uh, Instagram page right now, or no, after the service. Uh, we've created these screensavers, uh, which uh, have printed on them, what does love require of me? And we want you, uh, we want to challenge you, if you're a follower of Jesus, to download that screensaver and to make it yours. To make it yours for the next seven days or make it yours for as long as you want so you don't forget. So you don't forget to apply what does love require of you. Because when you forget, we get in the way. We get in the way. We prevent people from seeing how much Jesus loves them. And... You know, when you love unconditionally, when you love unconditionally, it changes everything because love can change everything. It can change someone's day, it can change someone's week, it can change someone's emotional state. It can change literally everything for someone. It can change their perspective on a situation. Love can change everything. In fact, the love that Jesus had for you changed everything for everyone. He died so that you could have a relationship with Him. And that love, that that sacrifice, it changed everything for everyone. And you too have the opportunity to change everything for everyone or for someone by extending love, by doing what love requires of you and by loving unconditionally. And so, if you're a follower of Jesus, I just want to challenge you this week to ask the question, what does love require of me. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you consider yourself an unchurched person, as we conclude, I just wanted to directly talk to you. I understand that, you know, maybe you've had a bad experience in church. You've heard this all before. Jesus loves you and so does his followers. But what you've experienced in life hasn't communicated that at all. You know, you've You've gone to church. You've, you've had interactions with Christians, you know, with followers of Jesus, and you haven't seen a love one another, what does love require of me community. And you've seen a, a group of judgmental hypocrites who, who say that Jesus loves everyone, but really their actions have communicated one thing, that Jesus loves them, and he forgot about you. And I'm sorry that, that you've had to experience that. And I understand that I may never and nobody may ever be able to redefine the word Christian and the word church for you in a way that you're like, yeah, I want to be one. I want to be a part of one. That's not even the goal. The goal, though, my hope for you is this, is that through all you've seen, through all you've experienced, through everything that's happened to you, my hope for you is this, that you wouldn't miss Jesus through it all. Because regardless of the way the church has treated you, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you, even if the church hasn't. 
And I would hate for you to miss out on, on what he has to offer because of what we have done. And so this week, I just want to challenge you. I want to challenge you just to go home, to go back into your week, to go about your everyday life, but to come back next Sunday and begin to re-engage or begin to engage with Jesus because he loves you, even if the church hasn't. Why don't I I pray for you? Dear God, uh, we just thank you uh, that you love us. And sometimes uh, we forget to love one another. Uh, I just pray that you would help us to extend unconditional love to everyone. Let's pray for those people who have had a bad experience, who have seen some ugly things, Lord. I just pray that you would, you would be beside them, that you would comfort them, and you would help them to see just how much you love them. In your name we pray. Amen.